You're listening to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. I'll be your tale teller, JC. This tale is called The Plum Gates. And dear listener, if you'd like me to tell your tale, you could send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Far in the Lillian Mountains, above the clouds, and unknown to the majority of the Levian continent, is the Temple of the Plum Flower. How the trainees arrive there is not known, even to them. Those that have the hunger, the purpose, and the potential to be a seedling appear in front of the giant purple gates with no memory of their journey. The order is fifty members strong, folks from all lands, even those unheard of to the denizens of the Levian continent. They all train for one purpose, to be the body of Lillian when she returns. They are led by one man. They call him Commander. The Commander has been preparing the order for centuries, training new monks in preparation. Our story begins with Jamie Troublefoot, a young dwarf that didn't know his place in the world. In fact, he did not know where he came from or any memory of his past. Jamie found himself starving one day in front of an inn. Jamie entered the inn and went to the back where the barkeep was helping a couple of patrons. He waited there patiently until the barkeep noticed him. What you want, kid? He said. Some food and a place to lay for the night. You got any coin, kid? Jamie didn't know. He patted himself down. He found a little pouch in his pocket that jingled. He looked into it. And sure enough, there was a few pieces of coin. For that meal, and a bed for your head, you owe me eleven copper pieces. Jamie pulled out a handful of coin and laid them on the bar. Is this enough? That's only nine copper. That's all I have. The barkeep looked at him again. He examined him, looking deep into his soul, reading his character. You willing to work? Yes, sir, Jamie responded. Good. Get to the back. You'll be washing the dishes tonight. Afterwards, you'll have earned a meal and a bed. The barkeep took five of the copper coins and slid the rest back to Jamie. Looks to me like you'll need them more than I. Called me Edgar. Jamie introduced himself. Edgar clasped his forearms, then led him to the kitchen with all the dirty dishes. Jamie did what he was told. He spent hours washing dishes. Whenever he thought he was finished... Edgar brought in more. He was exhausted, but he did enjoy having something to do. A few hours after sunset, the last of the dishes were cleaned. With the last batch of dishes, Edgar inspected the ones Jamie had washed and nodded with approval. He invited Jamie out to the bar where there was a plate of hot food waiting for him. It was simple, some meat and some warm veggies, but the smell made him salivate. Edgar let the boy eat while he finished the rest of his chores. Jamie engulfed the food. You must be hungry, he said. He made Jamie another plate of food. Jamie ate it just as fast. Edgar sat down and bombarded him with questions. Where did he come from? Why was he here? Where were his parents? Why does he look like a dirty drow that could survive in the sun? So on. Jamie had no answers for him. The only thing he remembered was standing outside the front door of the bar. Edgar pressed him on his lack of memory, listening to every word carefully. Upon deciding Jamie was being truthful, 
Edgar asked him to help him finish the rest of the cleaning before bed. With no complaints, Jamie did what was asked of him. When the bar was prim and proper, Edgar offered Jamie a permanent position at his establishment. We've been busy as of late, and I could use the extra help. You can stay here if you need to. Jamie was guided to his new bedroom, where he was finally able to take a break and think about his predicament. He was thankful that he now had a job and a roof over his head, which he thought was pretty good for someone with no memory. He lay on his side and stared at the flickering lamp. He tried to remember anything, anything at all, blank. He could have gotten frustrated about it, but he had to be up and at him early in the morning. He couldn't destroy his new life trying to remember the old one. He was warm and comfortable, and hopefully, he would be fed more than once a day. If not, he was ready to work tooth and nail to earn it. The following morning, Edgar woke up before sunrise. He told him he was going out to the morning market to buy ingredients, and handed him a list of chores to complete before he returned. Jamie was told, if all the tasks were complete, then Edgar would have enough time to cook them some breakfast before the end opened to the patrons. That was all the motivation Jamie needed. He jumped out of bed and began with the first task. Moments later, Edgar left. Jamie went around. He pulled down some chairs. He went to the back and grabbed some food and started the wood stove. He carried some big casks of different types of alcohol from the storage room. He set plates, mopped the floors, and moved the tankards to the correct spot. When he was finished with the list, the sun was beyond the horizon. He sat down and waited for his new friend. Jamie felt more like himself, whoever that may be. His body was less fatigued, and he had accepted his new role in life. He was at peace, though his body was still brimming with energy. All that work didn't leave him a tad bit exhausted. He guessed he might have been doing something similar in his old life, or at least something that was physically straining. Not too long afterwards, Edgar walked in, pushing a cart of food. Jamie ran to help him unload. When all was done, Edgar went around and inspected the task he had assigned. Pleased with Jamie's results, he went to the kitchen and started cooking breakfast. The two enjoyed their morning meal. This time, Jamie was the one asking the questions. He asked about the town, important things, people, and the places he should know. Edgar told him a bit about his own life. Jamie learned that Edgar moved to Little Pearl for a fresh start. He was lucky enough to be able to afford this inn from the previous owner. He used all the funds he had saved up and had been running it since. He slowly became a staple for the town with his famed pickled lamb sandwich, a dish that can't be found anywhere else. They finished breakfast and opened the bar for business. Days quickly led to months of Jamie's employment at the Beaming Bee Inn and Bar. He and Edgar became pretty close friends. The returning patrons now knew Jamie by name. He got along with most of them. Edgar even trusted him with more responsibility. He was still a glorified chore boy, but Edgar showed him how to cook meals, about the different types of alcohol they serve, and how to make mixed drinks. Jamie loved it. He had the chance to talk to a variety of different types of people. Not having his memories made him enjoy hearing about others. Most of the patrons were normal folk, looking for a quick bite or somewhere to spend the night. There were a couple of important clients, as Edgar put it, but Edgar made sure he was the one to help them. Going on into the sixth month there, a patron came in that carried themselves differently from the others. They were followed by three elves with long, slender swords. The man sat at the table closest to the bar. His guards sat at the one behind him. 
Jimmy went up to him with a glass of water. The man looked down at it with disgust. Do you have any cucumber water? Let me ask the owner, said Jamie. He went to Edgar, who was not helping guests that day. He had been in a recent fight and did not look his best. Edgar told him to cut some cucumber slices, place them in the bottom of a glass, and pour the water he brought to him into it, then wait five minutes. Jamie did what he was told. The posh man took a sip and smiled. That's perfect. I knew even a place like this should have cucumber juice water. Get me a pickled lamb sandwich with the side of baked potatoes. Do your friends not want anything? No, we're not friends. They work for me. Now get me my food. Jamie's chest tightened. He was a little annoyed by this character. He went to help a few more tables. My order, the man said loudly. It's coming. We have a process. Jamie continued his route before giving the orders to Edgar. Less than ten minutes later, Jamie came out with a warm plate of the famed lamb sandwich and a smaller one with a freshly baked potato with a glob of butter on top. He placed the plates in front of the man and left to help the other patrons. Jamie would sneak a glance. From his posture and facial expressions, Jamie believed that he was enjoying the meal. Jamie brought him the receipt. This sandwich was not as good as I was led to believe. Why did you not tell me it would be better with fried potatoes instead of baked? The man threw a copper piece on the table. The price of the cucumber water. That is all you will get. The cucumber liquid was the only thing good here. No, that's not how that works, Jamie exclaimed. This is how I work. The man picked up the plate with the remainder of the sandwich and dropped it on the floor. This place is a mess. You should clean it up. Jamie kneeled, picked up some of the sandwich, and threw it at the man's face. You didn't finish your meal, sir. Let me help. The posh man was stunned. Jamie stood up and began to walk towards the back. When he was a few steps away from the bar, he felt a tug on the back of his shirt. If he had anything in his hands, it would have dropped to the floor. Instinctively, he planted his back foot on the ground. He spun around, letting his left hand fly. His fist connected with the chin of his assailant. The three bodyguards of the posh man surrounded Jamie. He punched the elf who yanked him. The elf took a few steps back, but he didn't look faced. Jamie used the momentum from the punch to uppercut the elf to his side. They all adapted quick to a show of ability. The elf he was aiming for disappeared. Before he could follow through, he was hit by an unknown force. He was dazed for a few seconds. The three had him on the wall. He couldn't move, and his vision was blurry. The other patrons were entertained by the surprise action. Some cheered for Jamie, while a few others left. Jamie saw Edgar finally coming out to check the commotion before his vision went blank. Students, you stand at the temple of the plum flower, surrounded by the will of Lillian. The two of you are chosen as her new trainees for a higher purpose. Your old lives are forfeit. Your new lives and your first memories depends on your ability to prove your worthiness. Jamie's vision cleared. He was in a courtyard of a giant monastery built into a mountain. Etched in stone was an outline of a dragonborn. Right beside him was a female Goliath. She had short black hair with streaks of silver. She had wraps around her hands and was probably three times Jamie's height. She was bruised, more than he was. She looked just as confused. She looked at him before turning her head to look in front of them. 
Standing a bit ahead of them and floating was a wrinkled gray turtle. It was patterned with black humps throughout its shell. Jamie could see some cracks from his angle. Jamie didn't know what to do. He still couldn't move. This time, it wasn't because he was held down by three elves, but because his body wasn't responding to his will. Your first test is to prove your strength, your dexterity, and your abilities, said the turtle. The courtyard shook under the two's feet. The floor morphed into three zones. The first zone, the one closest to Jamie and the Goliath, was a pit of four pillars of solid earth above an army of spikes. The end of the pit led into a jagged wall that went up 30 feet. Zone 2 was a sandy field with dirt golems with a purple flower on their forehead in a ready stance. There were a dozen of them, each about 7 feet tall. Some had weapons, while others had nothing. Zone 3 had the turtle floating in the center of a field of grass. With victory comes your memories. With your memories comes your reason to exist. You can only succeed. Failure is not an option with Lillian. Go, he said. Jamie didn't completely understand what was happening, but he was filled with a sense of emptiness. That itch to know his old memories returned. He knew that winning would scratch that itch and took off. He left the Goliath behind him and jumped towards the first pole. He let his excitement overwhelm him and put too much strength into his leap. His back leg caught on the edge of the pole and sent him in the direction of the second. The Goliath took note of his actions and ran towards the poles. Unlike Jamie, she was precise and effortlessly made her way across taking the lead. It took Jamie a while to push himself to the next pole. Once he did, the rest was easy. When he reached the end, the Goliath was standing at the bottom of the 30-foot wall looking up. She looked deep in thought. Jimmy wasn't quite sure why she stopped, but it allowed him to catch up. His body moved on its own and he began to climb the wall. It felt familiar. Once the Goliath saw Jamie climb, she began her journey. They were both having trouble climbing. He felt like he had done this before, but his body was a bit rusty. They climbed at the same pace but the Goliath pulled herself up first and ran towards zone two. The Goliath then slowed down as she charged the field of golems. When she got closer, the six near her sprung to life. The flower on their forehead glowed with their movement. The six dirt golems attacked the Goliath. She moved through them gracefully, dodging most of the attacks, parrying others, and striking only when she needed. She too looked like she had done this before. When Jamie reached the zone, the other six reacted to him. He paused, but his instincts quickly took over. This too felt familiar to him. The golems no longer felt like a threat. His method left most of the golems shattered on the ground compared to the Goliath. The Goliath finished first and headed towards Zone 3 with the turtle. Your abilities, instincts, and some memories have not dulled. But is your spirit still strong? The ground trembled. The pressure of the area changed. The turtle stretched out his arms. A purple aura formed around him. It looked like a contained ball of fire. His aura spread to the ground and around the turtle, placing him in the center. His aura took form. The turtle now stood in the center of a full-body avatar of himself that stood almost 30 feet tall with four arms instead of two. It looked ready to attack. Jamie and the Goliath stepped back. They looked at each other. The Goliath also had a purple aura around her that formed a pair of arms. It followed her movement. 
Jimmy felt an aura around him, but it wasn't taking shape. Good. Your spirits are still strong. This means your memories lie across the Levian continent and beyond. The glimpses you have had serve as an incentive to forge your path to retrieve them and your body. The first of you to return with a fully manifested spirit and challenge me will inherit the will of Lillian. This will mean more in time. I await your success. Jamie was standing in front of a bar, not knowing how he got there. The bar was depleted, yet homely. This time around, he knew what to do. At least, he knew why he was there. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you'd like to submit your story, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. And if you could, please share this with all your friends and family across the multiplanes. Again, thanks for listening, and you'll hear me again in a fortnight.